I was thinking the other day about when we were building this building. How many of you were here when we bought this building and we gutted it? And we were starting over. It was the end of the last century, I think 1997, 98, something like that. And Edward was a new minister. We had just brought him in here and all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, let's go on this big crazy adventure and buy this new building and really put our finances at risk. (laughs) And what Edward did, which is what we are really always called to do, is he gathered together a small group of practitioners so that we could pray. I felt very honored to be in this little group. And on Saturday mornings, we would meet at Edward's house and pray He wanted to stay established in that awareness of that that is and knows and does all things, that thing we call God. Because it's easy to get caught, isn't it? Circumstances, the bigness of our lives, the bigness of what's happening in the world, it's easy to get caught and pulled away from that that is and knows and does all things. And so we would sit and we'd spend time in the silence and then someone would pray and we'd sit in the silence and we would pray. And there are two things I really remember distinctly from those Saturday mornings. One was William walking into the room afterwards with fresh baked scones. (laughs) What a joy. But the other that has stayed with me and has become part of my practice and my anchor, was that every morning, Edward would put on the CD of the Standing Stones of Kellenish. And it would play the entire time we were sitting and praying. And that music became a touchstone for me. And I have the CD and I listen to it always. And when I'm about to prepare for a service or I need to come back to myself, I put that CD on. This morning, the topic is the standing stones. And I'm not going to talk about the history of the standing stones, the the fact that they were discovered and they are believed to have been around for 5,000 years and there's rituals and there's mythologies about them and practices about them. What I know, because I've never been to any of the Celtic regions and seen the standing stones, what I know are mountains. I've stood at the foot of them. I have been on the top of them. I have watched avalanches sweep everything off in the, front, in the face of them, just wiping everything clean. Twice I've seen this happen with fire at Bald Mountain, where everything got raised away by the fires that went through. All the plant life, all the animal life, the bugs and the birds disappeared. There was nothing there. And I remember the first time I went back after they opened the park up after the fire and I was so scared, nervous. What was going to be there? Because I was so used to, this was my home. I loved being on this mountain. And I remember distinctly driving up into the parking lot and getting out of the car and looking up at the black scorched earth. 
in thinking, oh, the mountain is here. The mountain is that that stands through the storms of life. Through the avalanches and the fires. Through the ups and the downs. And there is that in us that stands no matter what. And that's what I'm here to talk about. That that stands. That's always here no matter what. The storms of your life. No matter what the feelings are. The situations. The challenges. There is that that stands. We call it God. Spirit, the divine. We've talked recently about how it seems so abstract, unreachable, sort of dry and flat. God, spirit, what? What is this? I found this quote from one of the spiritual teachers, Ganga Ji. She said, The most sublime truth of all has never been stated or written or sung. Not because it is far away and cannot be reached, but because it is so intimately close, closer than anything that can be spoken. It is alive as the stillness in the center of your being, too close to be described, too close to be objectified, too close to be known in the usual way of knowledge, the truth of who you are is yours already. It is already present. Ernest Holmes in his textbook says, we look to God too far away. And he talks about the mother with its ba- her baby to her breast. And talks about the farmer in his field. But even that for me is too far away. Because yes, God, spirit, the divine feels so dry and abstract. When we talk about it, when we put words to it, we try to describe it. Our mind tries to reach it and understand it. Ernest Holmes invites us in this that we call affirmative prayer to align with that that is beyond human understanding, a oneness. But what I want to remind you of this morning is it's right here. It's your life. Closer than close. The word spoken, closer than your breath, your hands and feet, nearer than your neck vein. It's your life, and it's right here. It's always right here. It's never missing. We like to talk about it. We reach for it. We grasp for that that we want. We try to push away that that feels unpleasant. And life is always standing right here. Is it not? It's not abstract. It's your breath right now. It's that vitality that's alive. I want to say juicy. It's the vitality of our lives that wakes us up and lives and moves and has its being through us and as us. Chris sang about when it moves through me. And what I want to say is it's always moving through us. 
So often in this teaching, I hear people talk about God's demonstrations. I got my answered prayer, my good. God is that good. I got the job. I got the healing. I got the money. I got the love. God's not our good. God's our life. Not abstract. Not missing. Not broken. I know that we come here wanting life to be different. We want to get better. We want to get more. We want to heal and move towards greater good. When Ernest Holmes first came in and started bringing together this teaching, he was talking to faith-based peoples. He said, don't stop going to your churches and your synagogues. These were people that were worshiping and praying something that's bigger than them. And he was teaching us how to pay attention to those thoughts that are our prayers. Am I wanting good in my life, but I'm thinking bad? I'm wanting more, but I'm thinking lack. I'm wanting wholeness, but I'm thinking brokenness, illness. He's saying, put yourself in alignment with So yes, when the transcendentalists brought the understanding to this country and Ernest Holmes studied um, Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the transcendentalist who awoke in this thing and invited us to bring God down from the sky and make that thing itself imminent and intimate. It's what we are. It's not distant. But what the transcendentalists didn't do was sever that higher power, sever that bigger that lives in through and as all of life. I gave a talk on unity up in Mendocino last week, and I was thinking about the nature of nature, of ecology. And we know that when we think about ecology and nature, we understand that everything is connected, do we not? That the earth is working with the microbes in the earth and and the roots are joined together with that earth and the trunk of the trees and the branches and the leaves and the air and the rains and they all work together as one. In fact, all the great environmentalists and ecologists say everything created is necessary, all of it interwoven, all serving a purpose. The distinction of the human being that we are is somehow we think we're separate from that oneness and that wholeness. It's here to serve me or it's here torturing me, but we don't recognize that we are one with the one. And it is that that is our life and it is the life in us and it's the life around us. Sir Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa Tenzing Norgay. I always want to include Tenzing because we talk about Sir Hillary. We forget the brown-skinned man from Nepal that climbed to the Mount of Mount Everest, helping him, carrying his his stuff with him. I guess it's luggage. I didn't have a Sherpa. I appreciate 
that assistance. We forget that we're being supported all the time by the people that are all around us. But after he had gone to the, mount, the top of Mount Everest and the people were interviewing him and they talked about and they asked him about conquering the mountain, no man had ever been recorded reaching the top of Mount Everest. And he said, we don't conquer mountains. We conquer ourselves. Ernest Holmes says, we're not creating the universe. We're not making things different in our lives. We're simply shifting ourselves. You've heard that before, right? We're only working with our consciousness. Where are my thoughts? What am I holding on to? What's that story? I was thinking about a friend's client the other day when I was getting ready for this and I loved sitting with her. We had done some work together. And over time, she started understanding this idea of being caught in the challenges. And I would talk about the story. What's the story going on in your head? There's a difference between something happening because things are happening. We have experiences and they're real. But then our story in our head holds on to who did what, what's happening, what the challenge is, and we make it fixed. In an ever-changing reality, we hold a, a thing, a situation fixed, and life is not fixed. You with me? It is fluid. It is moving right now. Since we've been sitting here, I could calculate in my mind, but I can't. The earth that's spinning 60,000 miles an hour has made some distance. Life has changed, and yet we're sitting here thinking, oh, everything's the same. And so this woman, this client, would sit there, and she'd come to me and with a new challenge, and she'd be talking about who did what and what her upset was and what needed to be different. And somewhere in her, all her sessions, she would go, oh, wait a minute, I have a story. And we'd both laugh, and in that moment, you could feel this freedom. The challenge didn't disappear, but she had stopped grasping it and holding it as a, so, a solid reality so that it could move and shift, because what we want to do is meet what's before us with a clean slate, right? So that I'm not fighting against as if the infinite is missing right here. God's wrong. What's, what was God thinking that this is happening in my life? That's just not the truth ever. And so we're clearing the slate, the stories in our minds, so that we can meet what is in a clear way. So that we can feel life fresh and feel that that's supporting, sustaining us, and that that guides us. When I get my stuff out of the way, it moves through me and it informs me of that that is to be known and to be done. It may not fix things the way I want them fixed. Ernest Holmes says that. We may not get what we want. In fact, we can't know our highest good, he says. 
But we can live from that wholeness, a being, and in that we're free. When we touch the vitality of our lives, just for a moment, we can feel that all is well. Certainly our mind goes off into challenges and stories and thoughts and feelings. Certainly it does. And I'm not disputing that there aren't big things happening. Emma Curtis Hopkins, the radical, mystical teacher of Ernest Holmes, says we're not calling the world good. Ernest Holmes said we're not bringing God down from the sky and bringing good to our conditions. We are lifting our own consciousness to see from a higher place. That's prayer. We're aligning with the oneness. We're knowing something beyond what we can see. The other description that Ernest Holmes calls prayer or treatment is talking ourselves back to our center. To that that stands and is always standing. To that breath that's breathing you. Brand new right now. Brand new breath. And so we come to this center to come back to that that we already know. I used to hear people in the sharing in the new member um, classes we would do. People would say, I walked in the door and I knew I was home. How many people have had that feeling? The reason you can feel that is because we know that home. Do we not? When we stop for a moment and just pull back from the story. We know home. We know what the center is. We know that vitality of life. We know that we are held, supported, sustained by something vaster than we can imagine. Right? Not separate. Not broken, not messing up with where you are right now. It's what we are. It's what moves through us. And as I said in my sound check, (laughs) I just came out of my mouth, so I'll say it again. The reason we come back to practice again and again and again to that that is already here. The awakened mind doesn't need to be awake. Home doesn't ever feel left. You can't leave your life in your home. It's always right here. We come back again and again because we have been practicing and taught to listen to the stories and believe them. I know you have. (laughs) You believe that you are the conditions of your life. I am this person. I am this body. I am these thoughts. I am these feelings. Sometimes we are our jobs. We are our relationships. Well, really, we are life. And all of this is passing. All of it. So what stands? We come back to recognize, to remember, to re-root in that that is always standing right where we are. It's unshakable. It's the good news. I remember this story that I heard when I was in 
I think, foundations back in 1994, I think, something like that. No, actually, it was earlier than that. The teacher told the story of this old Appalachian healer. And I love this story because I know the Appalachians. My roots. And she was famous all around. Great healer. And this man who was struggling heard about her and he went looking far and wide and finally came to the place where her little house was standing in the middle of nowhere. And this little old lady was sitting on her front porch rocking. And the man walks up and he says, Are you this great healer I've been hearing about? She said, Maybe. She said, come up on the porch and sit with me. And he came up and he sat across from her and she said, what's, what's going on? What's troubling you? And he started telling his story and the struggles and the hardships and the pain, the suffering. And this little woman in her rocking chair just shook her head and said, taint so, taint so. We are not pretending that we are having real human experiences and that they can be hard and challenging. But as the great teacher Byron Katie said, who would you be without the thought of your trouble? Just for a moment, who would you be? Whenever I ask myself that, the first thing that comes is this wide open experience, and I think, free. You may have a different experience. Freedom, it's not dry and boring to me, it's vital. That spaciousness. That love, that joy, that vitality of life, right here. The theme for this month has been speaking truth to circumstance, speaking truth to circumstance. And I remember when I first saw this theme, and they were asking me to pick a, a Sunday in July, and I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this. Speaking truth to circumstance, it really is the treatment that we are called to do. Affirmative prayer, that's what we're called to do. Speaking truth to circumstance. We're not denying that circumstance. We're speaking truth to it. We're knowing something greater than it in the midst of it. Ernest Holmes says, don't bring your conditions into prayer. Don't talk about them. Talk about what is absolutely true. This is not absolutely true. This is moving and shifting, is it not? I mean, I have born-again conservative relatives, all of them. But I have to stop and go, why is my truth better and truer than theirs? Don't we think that? Like somehow we're in the right. 
We think that. And yet the infinite is right where they are creating them. Born again Christians thinking I'm going to hell. Right there. Right where they are. And right here. The absolute truth that we know is oneness. Wholeness. The one intelligence. I remember going up to do a talk in Davis. And they put me up in a bed and breakfast. It was so sweet. And I got up in the morning and I'm getting ready to go to, to the center. And there's a TV there. And I'm excited because I didn't have a TV. And it's like, oh, I can watch Sunday morning church. I don't know why I love Sunday morning church. I didn't grow up with church. It's very fascinating to me. So I turn on the TV and I'm in the other room getting ready. And there's a program on this, an interview with the Catholic priest. He's written a book and somebody's asking him and talking about the book with him. And, and I don't remember how he got to this, but the interviewer said to him, Oh, so what you're speaking about is ecumenical. You know, the understanding of the connection, the inclusiveness of all the different sects and the different schools or whatever those are in Christianity. What I remember is the priest going, Oh my goodness, no. If we were talking about ecumenical, we'd have to go to the lowest common denominator. And my mind goes, oh, that would be God. That would be one. Would it not? That's the undivided truth. The lowest the common denominator that we all share one right here. And so that's really what we're doing when we pray is we're coming back to the oneness, to that that is the intelligence, that that moves through us and informs through us and expresses through us. And we're clearing our story mind so that we can feel the love and the life, the joy and the peace and be that instead of our story. And then life will do what it does out here. But we will be standing in that freedom, in that spaciousness, in that love. That's treatment. That's affirmative prayer. We are affirming truth and speaking it to any circumstance. So let us do that practice right now. As we simply turn our attention inward. And we only do that. To become less aware. Less distracted by the outer. For there is truly no inner and outer in this oneness. As I simply know that truth of that wholeness of life that oneness of life the one universe the one unified field right here vital alive holding and unfolding in and through and as all that there is it animates the particles it turns the planets and it breathes every breath never missing 
Nothing, no one, no moment, no experience, nothing left out of this oneness. It is everywhere whole. It is everywhere here right now. Nothing can take away from this truth. No one, no moment. And so I simply come home to this moment. To this center of being, knowing that it is everywhere. It is what I am, where I am. There is no me separate from this one. It is the life of my life. And so I know this absolutely as the truth of each and every one. We are here because life has brought us here. And that life is creating and recreating out of its wholeness right now. Not bound by anything that has gone before, anything that we have done or seemingly failed to do. It has brought us here. It is always here, right where we are. It is that that opens the way before us. And it is that that walks every step with us. It is that companion called life that lives in and around us. Connecting us in and as all. So I know that we are held, supported, sustained by this one. And I simply know and accept that greater surrendering and that allowing, that opening to that sweet breath of God. To that that guides and unfolds, that that opens the way. Knowing that it is fully here, nothing missing. And it walks each human life uniquely holding, supporting, sustaining all that we are. Oh, so good to come home. So good to recognize that that is, always is right here. And knowing that it holds and unfolds that it is that light that life that love that peace beyond human understanding i simply melt into this sweet embrace in gratitude for this call home this call by the divine to the divine always right here and in this gratitude in this deep assuredness that this is known it is done i simply let it be And so it is. Amen.